0: State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
1: Hey, 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 guys. It's me, Tiffany, and it's Mandra. We just want to say thank you guys. You guys are amazing. Thanks to you, since we started our podcast, it was just me and Mandy listening <laughs> to ourselves to now we get over 100,000 downloads a month. And I know it seems like that's awesome, but we could do it even better and we have a favor to ask.
0: Just a tiny favor. If you could, please share our show. Share it on your social media. You can tag us at Brown Ambition Podcast. Take a screenshot of the show that you're listening to and share it on Twitter, on Insta, on Facebook. Tell a friend to tell a friend. You can tag us on social media. We're at Brown Ambition Podcast on Insta, at the BA Podcast on Twitter, and of course, our Facebook group. You can find us under Brown Ambition. Don't forget to tag our personal handles too. On Insta, I'm at Mandy Money, Mandy with an I, and Tiffany is at The Budget Nista. When you tag us, we will share your post and help amplify it even further. Thank y'all for all the love. This is just going to help us give us that little extra brown boost.
1: Hey, hey, Hizzy, he, hey, 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 hey. See how he I switched it up for you? I said, let me bring it
0: back to um, 1997. It's summer. When f- it, I was a, yeah. it was 90 degrees today. So you know what? Why not? We need some heasy up in here. <laughs> I
1: know. Hey, Mandra, how are hey, you?
0: Hey, I am doing well. So excited about today's show.
1: Me dos. You see what I did there?
0: I you did. Know. Yo entiendo. Yo te entiendo muy bien. We have an amazing guest on today's show. You want to talk about Miss Sandy?
1: <laughs> yes. Honestly, I think I'm trying to think, where did I meet Sandy? I think I met Sandy. When um, I met, I think I I met her online first, but then I went to my first, you know, conference at Shaba, not be named, like six or seven years ago. And she was there, one of the few brown faces. And she was just warm and and welcoming and and sandy. I don't know that, I honestly don't know anyone that doesn't like love Sandy.
0: She has such good energy, gives good hugs, which I know you probably don't love about (laughs) her, but I personally love a good Sandy hug.
1: She is just so giving. I don't know that I've ever asked anything of Sandy and she hasn't said, sure, girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Sandy, um, I originally met her through her brand, Yes, I Am Cheap, which is the brand she still has. You know, it's all about frugalness and, and living simply. Um, but she has since evolved into a couple of other things. Um, she is like the go to for all things side hustle. Literally, we call her side hustle with Sandy. Um, because um, my dream catchers love Sandy. And when she comes to, to teach them about um, working from home, making extra money, Sandy also gives great advice about how to make extra money at your current job. Um, and then, too, we talked about Sandy, I think, last episode about her Elevate Conference, which is specifically for black and brown financial educators um, and podcasters and and bloggers to have a safe space to Share, you know, their experiences teaching their community. So Sandy's just all around amazing. So I'm excited she's a guest on the show.
0: I feel like we manifested her because as soon as that show wrapped, I was like, Sandy, you <laughs> run ambition now. And she said, oh, Okay, yes. finally, she was ready. We were she ready. Did. Love it. Well, that interview is coming up later on the show, y'all. Can we talk about the stock market, real, real quick? Like because. I feel like, blah, 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 blah. Another record high for the S&P 500 today. I was looking at my 401K, which I try not to do. I don't want to like jinx anything, but I was looking at my 401K in and my, and my separate brokerage account. And I'm like, hell yes, y'all, just stay the freaking course. I'm so yes. glad, even homeboy, you hear Rio, he's very excited for mommy. He's <laughs> like, yes, mommy, I want to go to a very good college. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just feeling like, you know, people were so scared because it was quite scary. I mean, my, yeah. my investments were down because I'm still like really, really, I'm mo- like 90% in the market with all my investments. Um, I'm a frugal saver, but I'm a, I, I like to aggressive. aggressive investor. Cause I know I'm, <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I have the stomach for it, I guess I built the stomach, but um, yeah, things were down 30%. I was like, I had to tell husband, stop, stop looking at your, stop looking at your account. Yes, stop looking at mine. I
1: remember that. that was like March. Was that March when things were down
0: 30%? Mm, yeah. March, April was when things really hit it. But I, I actually, I think I was contributing 10% this is just my 401k. I was contributing 10% um, from each pay period. And then when I realized what I was saving by not commuting, not eating out every day, I went in and I was like, I can afford to double my savings. Mm-hmm. So I started kicking in 20% um, of my paycheck into my uh, into my retirement. And then I was like, this feels great. This is the right thing to do. It's so hard emotionally to tell yourself what to do because, you know, on paper, it's like, buy low. And sell high. Sell high. And yes. I was like, just listen to your own advice, Mandy. Like this is a clearance sale. You gotta get in, get that clearance. But it's it's now that the the markets, you know, bounce back and then some, I'm so I'm feeling kind I'm kinda of feeling myself. I don't know. Like I hope. No.
1: That is, I mean, I know there's some people who are like, because uh, a, a lot of my friends invest in individual stocks and that can seem scary for some of y'all, but you don't have to. Like you can literally invest in the market via an index fund. So they're like S&P 500. There's, there are ETFs, which are like, um, uh, they're like a basket of stocks that you can trade on the market or... You can use a mutual fund where you could just say, oh, I'm going to put 200 bucks a month into this mutual fund that mirrors the market, which is an index fund. So you can find so you can say S&P 500 ETF symbol or mutual fund um, um, S&P 500. And you can literally just invest in 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 that index in. What's so awesome about it is that the S&P 500 is the top 500 uh, companies that are traded in the United States. So when things are up, like Mandy said, your money is up and- when things are not so up, the truth is you can actually just put more money in because over time, history has shown us that um, the market goes up over time, even even if it dips, it eventually finds its way back up again. So those are two easy ways, mutual funds and ETFs um, to start investing without having to pick individual stocks, which most people are not good at anyway.
0: Yeah, and I feel like we always get, and and personally, I don't, I I have my, Tiffany and I talk about our little Robinhood accounts. You know, I do have, I think I have some stock in Chewy.com because I love Chewy.com personally for my dog stuff. If you have a pet, you probably know Chewy. But anyway, that's not the main, that's not where I put most of my investments. Um, My main investments consisted of like a target date fund that I got way back in like 2013, which I've since um, traded into just, I just selected my own index funds, but I am an index fund girl all the way. And my husband and I were arguing back and forth about the, the difference between ETFs, exchange-traded funds, and mutual funds. Um, and it was so funny. We were both saying the same thing. But, Tiffany, you nailed that The big difference is an ETF, um, it, you can trade it during the day. So if yeah. you have time and you want to trade one ETF for another, you can do that. But with a mutual fund or an index fund, you can only you only going to be able to sell that index fund for the price it hits after the market closes. Um yep. But that's fine because for most index fund savers, you know, we're not in this for the daily ups and downs of the market. We are in it for the long haul. Like if the market goes up or down, I'm not selling my funds. And that for me is my strategy. It's a long, long long-term strategy You know, I understand if people want to be selling, um, you know, buying and selling stocks or ETFs um, during the day, if that's what you're into and you got the time, cool, cool, cool. But for me, you know, and I I think a lot of, you know, long-term investors, index funds are cheap. They're very easy and you can get them through any, uh, uh, from many, many different brokerage accounts. We talked about Vanguard, Fidelity, Mm -hmm. Charles Schwab. I mean, even on Robinhood, you can... You can do ETFs, but not mutual funds on Robinhood. ETFs. And I was looking recently, you know, Tiff and I are fans of Ally, we talked about. They have, Mm -hmm. um, they're. All these, you know, a lot of banks are now getting into investments and, you know, you can invest through Ally, but I saw that they charge, they do offer, you can buy, you can commission free trades for stocks and ETFs, but $9.95 to trade mutual funds. So no thank you, ma'am. Yeah, no. You want to look for, yeah, you want to look for uh, brokerage accounts that have low or no commissions um, if you plan on trading you know even a little bit and especially if you plan on trading frequently and then look for you know shop around and look and see which brokerage account you know you think appeals most to the way that you like honestly it really comes down to the look feel and the brand because they're very uh-huh. similar at the end of the day I've used Vanguard and the and the price and the, because you oh, want to look
1: for that duh. yeah that expense ratio which is really just the price the fee that they're charging you yeah. on your on your on your total portfolio so if you like for example Vanguard's like point zero zero nine percent point zero nine percent something like that Charles Schwab might be point zero seven somebody else might be point might be one point five we don't like those so you're you're gonna want to look for an expense ratio that is low it means the percentage they're going to charge you on what you've invested with them so obviously the lower the better um now being mindful that if something is actively if someone has an active or um a fund has an active manager meaning someone a person that is picking stocks and manipulating and picking bonds or whatever it is that's in the fund for you know that the expense ratio is going to be higher because the purpose of that fund is to beat the market although statistics show rarely does fun do fan fund managers beat the market on a consistent basis but just know that 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 the purpose of that is to beat the market an index fund is different the index fund is literally there to match the market it's supposed to say the s p 500 the top 500 companies. Went up to your fund, went up to it, went down to your fund, went down to so some people like to pay the extra money for an actively managed fund because they're hoping to beat the market. But, like I said, you know, studies and statistics have shown that rarely do fund managers beat the market consistently year after year after year after year after year. That for me, I just like index funds because I'm like, I'll just match the market, let the market go up and I go up, and when it goes
0: down, I go down, but over time, I know I go up yeah, thousand percent. And when we're talking to Sandy a little bit later about side hustles and additional sources of income in order to build wealth, but, you know, for me, nothing beats that stock market. I love it. Um, and yeah. I, and it's so fun. I mean, time is the only thing you have to you have to accept. Like it's going to take time to see to see gains and to see yourself bounce back from any lows. But you know, I've got, a decade where I've been in the market now, a little under a decade, and I've know I've gone through two recessions now. I mean, the Great Recession and then this. Can you are we calling it a recession? What is this? It's like a crisis, but not a crisis because the market's no, up. No, <laughs> it
1: is technically. It. Is, I mean, now the market's up, but it is even yeah. though the market is up, it doesn't mean that the economy's up. It's two separate things. So we are still technically in a recession because we still have seen slowdown in um, job growth in in um, exports. Not not exports, but like. Uh, the economy has been down, even GDP. though the market has been down. Mm-hmm, yeah, the, our GDP. So, so yes, we are still we are technically in a recession, even though the market would not suggest it, and that's what confuses people because they're like, "Well, we're doing good." It's like economy's down, market is up because the economy is based upon actual um, money and jobs and things flowing out or in to this country. We can right? call it the, reality. <laughs> yes. I was going to say reality. that. Like, it's, it's, based, it's based on facts. Mm-hmm. No printer. Whereas the market is all emotion. It's just I feel a thing. I buy a thing. I react to a thing. So I don't want you to look at the stock market and think everything's amazing. That's just feelings. The economy is facts. And the facts show... I think I was reading statistics like it was like one in four people basically are defunct on their mortgage. You know, like they were like they applied for that mortgage assistance, so they have not paid since the CARES Act was passed. And so with that being said, that's the worry because it's like, well, if people are not paying their mortgage if people are still have not gone back to work if people are still not making the income they were making before that's the economy that's the real meat and potatoes and although the stock market which is great which is the the dessert it it doesn't really tell the full picture so you just want to be mindful how you navigate and that you still want to be mindful that we are still in a recession and we still could see potentially the ripple effects of like people not working and not paying for things like their mortgage and what that what is that going to look like a year two years from now are we going to have a whole bunch of people who are foreclosing or is the you know our our um, federally backed mortgage just going to come up with another program to help people i don't know but you know don't be fooled by just the market that's you know that's the long flowing hair but that hair is a weave it's not her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and one last note is, you know, I talk about staying the course, but it's really about staying your course. Like you are the only person who knows your own circumstances, your own goals, your own time horizon. So if you're listening right now and you're nearing retirement, I mean, I personally am fine being, you know, like 90% in the market right now because I'm 33 years old. I imagine I'll be working for at least another 20, you know, years and I've got time to recover from a dip. But if you haven't been rebalancing, you know, we talked this before, the people who truly get slammed during times like this and hurt, like, you know, really hurts their nest egg is when they don't, rebalance her portfolio to be a little bit less risky so that when there's these big dips in the market, they're not getting hit because, you know, you've got your investments more in conservative things like bonds, um, which you can also get bond ETFs and um, mutual funds and all that. So definitely like if you're, if you're listening to us, like we are excited because, you know, we got some time, we're in the market, et cetera, but you've got to do what works for you and definitely consult a financial advisor or financial planner um, if you need that extra help uh, figuring out what your strategy is. But I say once you've got it, just just stick to the course and, and that's the best, you know, that you can do.
1: Yes. And so you're not going to hear us do wins at the end because quite honestly, the fact that we have Sandy on the show, that's our win. That
0: is the win. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a break now and we will come back with our interview with Sandy Smith the side hustle queen. Um, She's going to talk about not just great side hustles anyone can do while working at home these days, but also how to do it realistically, how to treat it like a business, and how to actually market the products and get people to buy them. So stay tuned for our interview with Sandy.
1: So I'm excited, you're excited, Mandra's excited, we're all excited because we have the one, the only, Sandy Smith, formerly or currently of Yes I Am Cheap, but more importantly, of Side Hustles with Sandy. We have been teasing you with Sandy since the very beginning of the podcast, and we finally wrangled her in today to talk to you all about ways that you can make money working from home. Honestly, Sandy is just a delight. She does so many things. She's She is, um, if you guys ever watch Clarence or The Godfather on Netflix, that's what she is to um, black and brown finance. So <laughs> yes. she is our go-to. She is the creator of Elevate, which is a group of black and brown financial educators and writers and bloggers and Sandy's just amazing. So we're happy to have her. Thank you for joining us.
2: I feel like I've been here every episode because I'm always playing you guys in the car. I feel like I'm sitting here (laughs) with you and Mandy having a whole (laughs) kiki going on. So I'm like, oh, this is my, like, you know, 50th appearance.
0: I mean, Sandy, you were there from the very beginning when Tiff and I met at at FinCon. I remember that was the first time I realized that was the beginning of Elevate, right?
2: It it was the expansion of Elevate. Elevate had been around for like a year or two before that, but it definitely expanded then. That's when it really formalized in my head what Mm -hmm. I really wanted to do.
0: Well, what I love most about you, Sandy, and this is something Tiffany and I have been talking a lot more lately, it's about how to get past that stage of saving and scrimping and paying down things and really get into more of a phase of building wealth. And what I love about you especially is that, you know, you talk about side hustles, but you don't talk about it like, you know, come home from your nine to five, work a side hustle, stress out, you know, just like you're really into the idea of encouraging and helping people build wealth yes. and building it through passive income streams. So I just want to dive right in. Can you tell us about your journey? Like what were some of the early side hustles you as Sandy Smith, um, uh, what was the first time you started to realize, oh, I can make some money on the side with very, you know, with some upfront costs, but you know, have passive income and and yeah, tell us how that all started for you.
2: So huge disclaimer, I'm Jamaican. So, you know, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you always have to have tree jobs at least, right? So <laughs> my first job, as always, your parents will tell you if you are from the Caribbean or if you're, you're from Africa, your first job is being a student, right? 110% being a student. And then, uh, so it started for me actually while I was in college because my mom had filed bankruptcy the year that I was going to college. And I had a full academic scholarship to go to Xavier University, but I couldn't afford to take out enough loans to pay for my room and board. So the first year, my aunt helped me out with that. And then afterwards, I was like, I had to give up the scholarship because I couldn't afford the room and board. So I came back to New York and I was like, OK, tuition's actually <laughs> a lot of money <laughs> and um, I needed to supplement my income. So it actually started way back in the ice age in the 90s. Um,
0: Sign hustling <gasps> for me so long time ago. Wow, pre-internet kind of. <laughs> I mean, how old do you think I am? I mean, <laughs> you know, the internet was around, <laughs> but it wasn't like in every household. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't, like, wasn't the
1: so. Sandy, what is your... I mean, I know, but I think the audience would love to know, what's your biggest, like, side hustle claim to fame? Like, when you made, like, the biggest bucks in the shortest period of time, what was that, and and how much was it? Yeah, that was definitely, when I was on Amazon,
2: really, really heavy, and a couple of my products went viral. I was doing coffee mugs at the time, which is, like, the most mundane thing, right? And I I ended up taking all of my vacation time to fulfill my orders. So, you know, I had a regular job... <laughs> And still had to um do that, and I think it w- I made like sixty seventy thousand dollars that month selling these coffee mugs. We could not keep up with the orders, so that was like my aha but but I still didn't quit my job. I wasn't crazy. <laughs> I still had my job, and this was a side thing. so imagine making that much money on the side, wow, man, I paid off I paid off everything
0: <laughs> so this was a so. Tom, talk about how the internet, because I think... I think that there, you know, and another thing that is great about Sandy is you acknowledge the fact that there are some like scammy, there's a lot of like oh work gosh. from home, like there's so much and they often target black and brown communities, especially. Yes. I fell um, for them
2: when I was like 18, 19, 20, 21, I fell for a lot of them. So I say I've been the oh, wow. guinea pig so that you don't have to make the same mistakes that I've made because now I could smell a scam 10 miles away because I've fallen for them before, right? And everything old is new again. So I think some of the most popular ones right now, especially because there's so many people out of work, is the fake, definitely work from home scam. And, and the most dangerous one that I can think up off the top of my head that I've warned people about a million times is the one where they pretend you're getting a legitimate job. So of course, you send all this personal data, right? And that's mm-hmm. like a big thing. But the second part that's really dangerous is where they start sending you packages Mm. And you're supposed to be like quality control or you're repackaging the things and shipping them somewhere else. And clearly, those products are from stolen gains, usually. Mm. Sometimes they may contain illegal items, but most of the time they've, it's from somebody else who scammed somebody. And they're washing the money by buying products, laptops, electronics, sending it to your address You're repackaging and you're sending it to like a Dropbox or some, you know, someplace else. You think you're doing a job, a real job that you're going to get paid for. And now you're out of your personal identification and the postal police are probably going to knock on your door very quickly.
0: Wow. Yikes. So what are some legitimate work from home? Because you're right. this At this time in our country, I mean, this is when, I mean, your ears must be on fire. People must be hitting you up every day because... If you're not out of work, I think there's this newfound like vigor and interest in okay, maybe I maybe we we skated by with this recession, um, or if we're calling it a recession, you know the market downturn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we really need to start thinking about how can we build wealth and how can I do that while you know with my full time job. So what are some legitimate ways you have you yourself have you know earned money on the side, or you feel like? is you know, something that is accessible to people today who are maybe juggling, you know, one or two jobs at home, plus oh, yeah. kids and all this craziness.
2: Yeah, you might hear my two year old screaming at some point. <laughs> so <laughs> a Fair. couple of months ago, I thought about this. I was like, you know, this is gonna run for a long time and it's gonna affect a lot of people before it's finally over and done. So what can you really do at multiple skill levels from home? And I think I can go back now and say a couple of the things that I pointed out as being big are actually that big. So big time, we all know tutoring. If you have a kid at home and you're not, everyone's not a teacher, right? And you might be struggling with your kid's homework. (laughs) I I probably would struggle with my two-year-old's homework. Um, Online tutoring is huge, huge right now. Uh, And along those lines, babysitting from home, because there's so many people who you know, want to go back to work, but finding childcare is really tough, or they don't want to send their kid to a really big facility. I know I struggle with that. And so if you're home and you like taking care of kids, people work all shifts. You know, you've got nurses that work 12-hour shifts, and they might work overnight. Who's going to watch their kid? So, you know, childcare is, like, another really, really big one, and then, of course, I know you guys have heard that Amazon has sold like all-time highs during the um, epidemic, but they're not the only ones. Um, Target, Best Buy, a lot of these retail retailers are selling a lot, but not just the big companies, small guys like you and I who are selling products online are actually making decent money during the epidemic because people aren't going into physical retail stores and they're buying things online. So even if you just sell stuff on eBay, thrifting, and, I, and now I've like introduced a bunch of people to thrifting, you know, going to the thrift shop, finding something, um, cleaning it up and reselling it elsewhere is a legitimate and easy way for you to make money. And, you know, the internet is open 24 hours a day. So is eBay. And so you you can list your products and they sell when they sell and you make your profit. What's
1: so? No, I was going to say one of the struggles that I know that people have, I know even for me, I'm like, well, what do I get these products to sell? So Mm -hmm. say if I don't want to, I don't want to ship from my house, I don't Mm -hmm. want to, um, you know, I don't want to mail things out, you know, how do I go about finding things and then selling things? So where do I find the, the, like the best, the best products I can find at the lowest price and the distribution so I don't have to worry about shipping them out myself?
2: Yeah, so... Um, Drop shipping has been really huge, huge across all different avenues um, lately and all different kinds of products from things for your kids to play with to T-shirts, which I'm doing myself as well right now and also teaching other people how to do and all different kinds of products, feminine care, etc. And the thing is, you don't have to stock the products. You don't hold on to them. You don't keep the inventory. And even better, you don't spend the money up front to keep inventory. So like when I had my big month on Amazon, um, about a third of it went through drop shipping, and two thirds I actually touched. So, at some point, I shifted 100% to drop shipping, and I was mostly customer service. But then, you know, once my son came along, it was really difficult. So I had to kind of give it away because I, I, I just had too high of a volume to be customer service all the time. So I, I would say that drop shipping is a legitimate, legitimate way to start a business without a lot of upfront investment, without having a whole bunch of products, and without um, you know losing your mind and having to ship things yourself. So with that said, once again, I'm going to go back to scams. There are a gazillion scams out there. And on top of that, don't come for me, there are a lot of MLM programs that kind of build themselves like this, but they're very, Mm -hmm. very difficult for you guys to make money with them. Usually people try to snatch my edges when I talk about the MLMs. They're so protective of them.
0: I don't understand. I mean, I do understand. Nobody reads
2: the fine print. Nobody reads the fine print and realize that those people that they talk about when they're recruiting you are like the top 1% and 99% of people in the MLMs never actually make money. And they're they're required to disclose this, right? But nobody ever reads that fine print. And then you get tired of, your friends get tired of getting annoyed. But anyway, I'm not coming for the MLMs. But (laughs) if your MLM does focus on the product and you love the product and they will ship the product for you without you having to have a monthly investment and all these other things, fine, I'm all for it. Love it. If you love it, I love it.
0: Well, let's talk about actual and drop drop shipping was a term I didn't know existed until I started to follow more closely the work that you've been doing recently to educate people about side hustles. So it's just that's just the name of the process where you're not actually holding merchandise. You're like you're you're signing up with the company. You're designing the merchandise, but they hold the inventory and they ship it for you. Is that right? Exactly.
2: Perfect. That's it. So and the good part is that you don't. You don't invest your money in the inventory until it's already been sold so if, if mandy if i'm selling you a pair of earrings right you buy the earrings for 15 bucks and i go there. are these companies that sell them for like five dollars or whatever you pay me fifteen dollars for these air- earrings then I go and I order these earrings for $5. So the $10 in between is my profit. And I didn't have to hold inventory and I do not have to do anything until after you've already ordered it. And then that company is going to package it and ship it on my behalf to you. So it never has to see me.
0: Right. Can you name, like, what are, if you are just getting started, what are some trustworthy, uh, I guess you can call them dropshipping sites where you would recommend people start? And what's hot right now? Like, what products do do people want? Earrings? Do they want? You know, I'm, I'm assuming no one's making like you know custom business card holders anymore. But maybe mugs are in or t-shirts. Like, what's hot right now?
2: No, that's that's uh, mugs are come up a little bit later. T-shirts are hot. T-shirts are mm-hmm. hot for for one reason, and I'll tell you why. All these protests that have been occurring all across the country, people have something to say. And so they're looking for a shirt that matches and expresses their emotions. And so a lot of these shirts don't have to be like these intricate, super wonderful designs. They're literally words on a shirt. Anyone can do that. You can do it. I can do it. Right? They're literally words on a shirt. And what I had told my group before was the biggest selling t-shirts the last few months. You guys can guess what, what it said. Come on.
1: Black Lives Matter. Boom.
2: Period. That's it. So and think of how many different fonts, how many ways it's been written. Is it on a black shirt with white writing? Is it on a white shirt with black writing? Is it pink? Is it, you know what I mean? So that's not even anything that's really um, difficult for anyone to do. And there are a ton of companies out there that that will allow you to create a store and do it really quickly. You can have something up and running within 15 minutes, I tell people. You can have a legit drop shipping site within 15 minutes. So Printful is my favorite one for that. Printify is another one. And Printify is even better in some respects because Printify has a bunch of different um, companies that they work with all across the country and it costs if you're listening to this podcast, outside of the U.S. as well, outside of the U.S., so does Printful. Um, If you're in Europe or Mexico, this could be you too. Um, And so those are two of the largest ones. You've got Redbubble, Cafe um, Press, but they're a little bit more expensive and they're geared towards retailers. Um, But those are like four that are legit. If you want to get into a t-shirt business tomorrow and on a dropship basis, you can do that. Um, Other products, you really have to look around what's going on right now. So for example, Everything related to um sanitization or um cleanliness is really hot right now. One of the hottest things that I've seen and I do a lot of research on what's going on because I just do when I'm crazy um, are products that help your kids with stay like clean because we all know you know kids kids are germ boxes they nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say, say it, 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 it. but it's real true. nasty. <laughs> So one of like the hottest products that I've seen is a wristband that has like antibacterial gel in it that you just Mm. squirt into the palm. And so, you know, it's like a little jelly wristband with a little like a little repository for some, a little bit of hand hand sanitizer and it squirts into the palm. Huge, huge seller right now. Huge. Um, Since your kids are home and Mandy's not there yet, but I'm deep in this, potty training. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Those potty training items and things to keep your kids busy. Those are humongous. And also don't forget that we're going into toy season. I know it's really too early for you guys. You're out there enjoying your 80, 90 degree weather. But mentally, a lot of the stores have already shifted into Christmas buying. And so, you know, toys for kids, especially with an educational focus, that's a big one. Clothing is always really big, but clothing is very difficult right now. And the reason why is that there's so many retailers who are either going out of business or are unsure about what to stock for inventory coming up. So you would actually be competing with your TJ Maxx's and all these other stores. It's very, very difficult to do unless you have a very niche kind of product that you have. Um, like, for example, one of the big things were these big, chunky knit blankets with the huge oversized. Have you guys seen these? It's like the yarn was like the yes, thickness I of have. my arm. Right. So that was like really popular last year. Unless it's like a really popular novelty item kind of like that when it comes to to clothing. It's a little bit difficult to kind of predict. So for for me, I kind of have to have my eyes and ears on what's going on in pop culture. What are people looking for? What are they searching for? I'm looking at Google Trends and trying to figure out what could be big. What, what has been really big lately, and these ladies saw before we started, wigs because the beauty salon's closed
0: (laughs) (laughs) how do you get into a wig selling business listen
2: everyone's not not comfortable rocking their grays and their naturals okay i I need to look professional out here Uh, and my beauty salon is still closed so yes the wig business has been booming for the last few years and there's so many ways to get into the wig business um if you wanted to you can go directly Made in China is, is a, a, a site that I use. The other one that everybody uses is um, uh, AliExpress. Um, and you can literally buy and drop ship wigs directly from the manufacturers to your customers if you go to AliExpress. It's just know that most of it's coming from China or India. It's going to take 20, 30 days to get here, um, worse with the post office being slow. You can't mm. filter for things that are like made in the US. It will cost you more. but higher cost basis, but it will get to your customers faster.
0: So So you're not having wigs in your garage. No, I mean, you're okay. (laughs) Right. Okay. So (laughs) you don't actually have to like acquire the wigs. How do you tell if they're good quality? That's
2: always the question that people ask. And this is where I say that you need to do your due diligence. And that includes a couple of different things. I always make a sample order. Um, And I don't say it's a sample order because what happens many times is that they will send you your best, their best quality. Right. Mm. And I want to catch what you're going to send on a regular basis. So if you can either request a sample or make an order as a customer without, you know, saying that it's a sample that you're doing business with them. And then I'm always searching the Google's. Let your fingers do the walking. See what other people's feedback have been of that cus- uh, you know of that company. What reviews do they have? What's the most popular complaints? I don't always trust the reviews on a company's site because they're going to delete the negative ones. <laughs>
0: hmm.
2: Just, you know, it, it happens. I may look, but I don't always trust it. So I'm always searching for what other people have to say from sites that I trust about the company before I like. Will do anything, but more often than not, I'm just doing like a secret little order myself to see what's going to happen, what's my experience going to be.
1: Well, what do you have to look out for when it comes to legally? So let's just say I don't know, for example, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's trademarked, um, but so what? What should people look out for if they're wanting to put phrases and things um, on the mugs or T-shirts or Or just, you know, like purchasing wigs and and making sure people are not like, your wig gave me alopecia. So what should people (laughs) look out for legally?
2: (laughs) Yes. So always and forever, depending on what you're doing, copyright infringement is is a thing to look out for. You don't want to infringe on somebody else's copyright because you definitely will get a cease and desist or people will just sue you outright. So if you think you're going to do anything with any sports authority, Without their permission, express written permission, it's not going to happen. And also, if you're selling things on another platform, they may decide to take that down. So if you're on Amazon, you're on Etsy, you're on eBay, whatever, it may just come down, um, and that's a strike against you, or you may be banned from the platform. Uh, or if you're if you're having things that are made print on demand, for example, like T-shirts, the printing company may not print it for you if it's a copy, note, phrase, image, etc. So do try to come up with your own things, especially if it's a phrase or something that's going on a shirt or something like that, if it's image-based. I sometimes have hired artists to do things for me, and I definitely do searches to see, if, is this phrase copywritten? Does somebody have that? So the USPTO is your friend. and That's the US Patent and Trademark Office. And you can do a search on their site. Very, you know, it's not user-friendly. <laughs> I'm going to be the first one to tell you no, that. No,
0: you're right. It is such, a, it's a nightmare from when we trademarked our show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's not user-friendly. So,
2: you know, you might have to dig in there for a couple of days until you're comfortable with the system, but definitely, you know, do your searches so that nobody else comes after you for a phrase that's copyrighted or, or, or an image or something like that. Now, when it comes to, to product quality, especially when it's um, something health-related, That's very difficult. So, for example, we had a ton of um, these antibacterial things that were recalled, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And they were all over the place in legitimate companies. I bought from Costco a hand sanitizer that ended up being on the recall list. Sometimes you don't know because you're trusting that it has passed quality control and tests. Um, The best thing I could tell people is make sure you have some kind of insurance (laughs) insurance. Because if all you need is one person to have a bad experience, for it to be not so good for you, right? So business liability insurance is one of the things that I tell people to go ahead and invest in. Not mm-hmm. so expensive, but if you're if you're doing like skincare products and it's not been mm-hmm. tested, that's going to be you know more expensive for you. There are a lot of cottage industry people um, out there now that are mixing things and essential oils and you know left, right, and center, and you do have to be careful. About things like that, has it been tested? Is it, uh, it? What's the efficacy? Are you representing the product correctly? And so, for me, it, when I'm drop shipping things, I tend to create um, a product that won't hurt anybody, <laughs> hopefully, because that's a risk that I don't feel like I would want to take on myself. But I understand that other people, you know, would especially if you're making hair products and somebody's hair falls out, God forbid, you know? Mm -mm. So I I definitely would be very, very careful. I I personally stay away from those because for me, I just wouldn't sleep very well with the liability, but the insurance is out there for a reason.
0: Well, let's take a question from a listener. You've already kind of answered a couple questions that I had waiting because you're so good. But here's one on the business aspect. Um, uh, Instagram user Ellen Monica says, At what point should you make your side hustle into an LLC?
2: Why not do it from the beginning? (laughs) I get that question so often, and it's probably one of the biggest questions that's flowing around right now. Why not do it from the beginning? It it does not cost that much to formalize your business from the outset, and then you're not going back to do it. Um, The most it will cost you is whatever your state is going to charge you for the organization, the articles of incorporation, and the business filing. And then, you know, you may have annual requirements that you have to fulfill. But honestly, if you don't make any sales, you don't have no harm, no foul, basically. Right. Mm. So it's there. I tell people, don't go back afterwards to do it when you could have done it in the beginning. And I think people think of their side hustles as not a legitimate business. And they really are. Whether you're driving for Uber or you're doing somebody's hair. It is a business, especially Black women, the kitchen beauticians, your your side things that you do, your little hustle, your little coin that you make on the side. It's a business. It's a business. We don't think of it as businesses. We may think of it as a hobby. And the IRS does have some, some things around, is it a hobby? Is it a business? But for the most of us, it really is a business. And we just need to shift our thinking uh, around that and not be afraid to formalize it at the very beginning because more often than not i hear people say i wish i had you know
0: after the fact well let's talk about the irs taxes well, like when you got hit when you made that 60 grand in a month that's amazing <laughs> but uncle sam was probably like <clears throat> sandy can, uh, <laughs> hey girl, can right. i get my <laughs> let share me, let me hold something <laughs> <laughs> so how does that work what if you don't know it's going to be huge and all of a sudden it's like oh crap how do you yeah. plan for that do you set it aside in advance
2: Yeah, I have a separate account. So I bank with my local bank. Um, My local credit union automatically has a savings account when you open a business checking account. So for me, when I make money and it goes into that business checking account, I'm putting at least 35% into the business savings account, at least, off the top. That's not my money. I'm holding it for Uncle Sam. And then if you collect sales tax as well, because people forget about this, Mm -hmm. that's not your money. That's Uncle Sam's money. You're just collecting it on behalf of Uncle Sam. They might give you a little, hey, hold this hold tiny piece because you collected it and you filed it on time, and then give me my money. So I tell people off the top, even if you're driving for Uber, and I'm saying that Uber or if you're doing DoorDash, if you're Uber Eatsing It, if you're Postmates, any of those things, that's not all your money. Uncle Sam will want their money. I highly advise you to put at least 35% away. If you're in a state like New York or or you're in New York City where we've got federal, state, and city taxes, you want to drop a little bit more, sprinkle more on there and put that in your savings account. So... For me, I knew that sixty grand was my sixty grand. Mm-mm, no,pe that some of that money legitimately belonged to Uncle Sam. And I know we we kind of get wrapped up with the fact that we're gonna owe taxes, but you wouldn't owe the taxes if you didn't make the money. That's right? true.
0: Yeah, so many of uh, the people in my family who have tried to start side hustles, they are always trying to figure a way how to get around without paying taxes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. just pay the taxes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of the law. They're like, well, wealthy people don't do it. I'm like, well, do you have wealthy people's money to afford lawyers? <laughs> yeah. Who figure and, like,
1: <laughs> see, and that's not necessarily true. I mean, we, yeah. I, I set aside forty percent, um, of my, you know, of my gross because I a, a large part of my income comes from what's called the owner's draw. And that's when not just payroll, but you withdraw from the company um, any excess money, whatever it is that you you feel like doing, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, I set aside 40 percent for zero. And then, you know, of course, my we we work toward, you know, uh, reducing our our tax risk and our, our, our tax burden. But. At the end of the day, I have to. I still have to pay in one way, shape, or form. And I've heard some of my friends say, "Oh, girl, yeah, I get you an accountant like mine. He was able to dot, dot, dot." And I'm like, "You just still want to be careful because what you don't want is to end up owing not only the original taxes but any sort of fees and things on top of that. Penalties. So, yep. Yeah. So you just want to be mindful of that because there are legal loopholes, but just make sure that they're legal.
2: Right. Right. And so for me. I am all about finding a loophole. I have never filed my taxes on time. <laughs> because I'm looking for every single deduction that I could possibly potentially take. I'm gonna take them, right? Mm-hmm. So when April 15th rolls around, your girl is not filing her taxes in. I- I'm gonna need a little bit of extra time to figure out all every that deductions. Yes. I <laughs> you know, I need I need to see every deduction I could possibly take, but it's every deduction that falls within the letter of the law. It is not, I'm inventing something, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm still putting that money away at the very beginning so that I can pay them. And the good thing that happens is that chances are that I put that money away to pay them. And if I do have enough deductions, what I put away is going to be too much, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a good part. You just decide. It's kind of like tithing. You're tithing to Uncle Sam. It's mm-hmm. That money didn't belong. It's not even there. Just, it's not there, it's, or it's like your 401k money. It comes off the top. You don't even see it. And then, it, you know, so that's how I think about it.
0: Do you recommend, is there a benefit to opening a business account from the start? Um, so you're not commingling your regular income with additional income streams?
2: Always and forever. And I have um, a business account with my local community bank here. And then I have with a large bank, um, Chase. So I always recommend as soon as you set your business up, You know, it doesn't take much money. I I think I opened this latest business account with like a hundred bucks or something like that just to open the account, whatever the minimum was. And that's it, you know? I, I opened the account, I put the money in there and now it's legit. And what that sets me up for in the future is this. It sets me up for potentially having business credit because now I have a formalized business. I have a business bank account. And now, you know, once my business has been formalized for eight months, a year then I can. I've, I've started to build my business credit. So the other thing that a lot of Black businesses stuff, suffer from, and I'm speaking directly to the women because we do this pretty often, is that we're underfunded um, and we don't grow to our full potential because we don't tap resources that are out there for businesses. I'm seeing a lot of like scholarships, a lot of funds, people trying to spend money with Black businesses, and a lot mm-hmm. of the requirements are that it that you had to have already been in business or you had to have been in business for a year. If you didn't formalize your business when you first started, you may have been in business, but that doesn't count because you you weren't legitimate at that time, right? Mm. So even there's a fund, like Facebook has a fund, $100 million that they're giving out, $100 million, not loans, grants. And you're, one of the requirements is that you have to have been in business for a year. If you were out there doing hair, every week for the last year, but you never formalize your business, your business does not exist or wouldn't qualify for that. So yeah, I tell people, register for your business, get your business bank account, put a little something in there, separate your money. Do not commingle your money, your individual money with your business money. Have it be a separate thing. So you want to register and formalize your business account so that you can set yourself up to qualify for other things in the future. Um, One of the things that we don't do very often that we should do, and you should do this once you're registered and you have your bank account and everything, is also get certified as a minority or, you know, Black-owned business as well. And that qualifies you for other things. And you do need to have your business account. So... You know, don't commingle your funds, have a separate account for everything. It helps you later on with your taxes and tracking your expenses and all that good stuff as well, which makes things easier for you, right? And um, yeah, it's just an easier way to have your business operate.
0: I love it. Well, so I know we've we've there's so much more that we can talk to you about, and we're definitely going to tell folks where they can. I know you have some courses. I mean, you have a whole website where you're sharing your tips. You're also doing like Facebook Lives and everything. But what this sort of sounds like, you know, when you're talking about and some of the questions we've gotten have been about, you know, choosing, um, you know, choosing a side hustle. If you're going to get into drop shipping, you know, what product do you choose? And to me, it kind of sounds like, in a way, you're trying to be educated, do your due diligence, but kind of time the market. It's one of those financial double dutch situations again, like, okay, when do I get in? You know, are there still protests going on? Does it make sense to jump on the t-shirt bandwagon or has that has that wave, you know, kind of passed already? Can you talk about, you know, advice you have for folks who are trying to figure out What investment is, I know that there's low risk when you're doing drop Mm -hmm. shipping because you don't hold the inventory, you don't sell it till, you know, someone orders it. But what advice do you have for folks who aren't really sure, you know, which product or which which platform they want to move forward with first?
2: So I I like being a consistent one-hit wonder, which means that I pay attention to pop culture and I try to slide in there, like you say, time the market, try to get in there when things are hot. Um, because I know there's there's going to be a crescendo at some point and it'll arch and then go down, and I'm trying to get in before it goes up and down. That's one methodology. The other is to, um, you know, be the person that's that like, offers commodity items that people are going to you know want all year round every day. So if you're a person who's selling toilet paper, guess what? People buy toilet paper every day. You know, it, won't, it may not be something that makes you a ton of money, but you will have consistent orders. So I think it. at first you have to decide what kind of seller are you going to be? What's your strategy? Are you the person who wants to always have their nose to the ground trying to figure out what's the next thing? Or are you the person who wants to be consistent and, you know, have a steady stream that may not be so high, so low? And maybe it might be cyclical. But that's okay. Uh, it all depends on how much time you want to invest. And then the second thing is, I think you sell something that's really comfortable for you to know and understand. I'm not going to be out there selling laptops because then I need to know all the components, functions, etc. for this laptop because people who are interested in laptops are going to ask me. If I don't know what I'm talking about, they're going to be able to sniff that out in two seconds. But if you talk mm. to me about some Remy Wigs... You know, <laughs> I might be able to talk to you about that, about bleach knots and, you know, 16 inches and not Remy um, and HD lace, et cetera, et cetera, because that's something I legitimately am interested in and I know about so I can talk about it. Um, so it makes it easier for me to sell a product that I know, like, and I'm interested in already. Uh, and I tell people to kind of go with what you know. If you can't figure out what to sell, Go with what you know and you're comfortable with already. And that makes it easier for for people to get their foot in the door. And all you need is that first sale. That's the hardest one. Then you can kind of figure out what went right with that one and replicate it. If you're a mom, for example, and you're surrounded by baby toys, you might just be an expert in baby toys at this point. So maybe you don't love it because they're all making sounds and they're driving you crazy. And I'm speaking from experience, but you know a lot about these toys. You know what's good for a certain age. You know what should be in the mouth, what's not in the mouth, what works with this toy, what doesn't work with this toy. And then maybe that's something that you could think about selling because you've had some experience with it, you've worked with it, you've touched it. uh, And then you're comfortable with that. Um, So, you know, don't chase just the dollar. Uh, because that's going to get very old and tired very, very quickly. Uh, Go for something you know that's easy, that you can go ahead and do research about, that you can talk about, because you're going to have to sell it. And you can't sell something that you don't know.
0: That's a good point to make. I'm immediately thinking of ways I can create a a branded (laughs) pot and pan. With a wooden <laughs> spoon that your, your little one can bang to their heart's content. That's been a big hit lately. No,
1: <laughs> and then just one last question, Sandy. So like just maybe some quick marketing tips. It's like you have this great t-shirt, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're, you said you went viral a couple of times. Yep. So some quick marketing, you know, like, Hey, I, you know, you might not have a big old following or a lot of followers on social. What's some great ways that people can market? It's funny because the internet has been, in one ways, um,
2: the great equalizer in people being able to reach a bigger audience. But at the same time, it's made it um, difficult because there's so many people doing it at the same time. So marketing is the toughest part of any of this. The first difficult part, I think, is uh, identifying the product and the the. the Next is marketing, but marketing is even worse. So I'm down on MLMs because they force you to go to your family and friends and try to market to them. And they, that gets old and tired very quickly. I would say your, your family and friends aren't your customers. And if they are, <laughs> they're just being nice to help you out. But you can't, you can only sell to them once or twice. You can't continuously sell to them, right? So you've got to find new, um, new people to sell to. Um, and So that's where I think the the internet's been really great equalizer. Everyone can make a website very quickly, very cheaply. And if you can't do it yourself, you can hire somebody who could do it for you. Every business needs a website because people will Google you or your product immediately. So that's your first marketing thing. And people don't think of it as something that's related to marketing, but it really is. It's your business card on the web. So one, have a business um, website. Or have a website for your product. Two is I look for um, sometimes influencers within the space who will allow me to market um, on their channels. So if it's Instagram and if I'm selling if I'm selling Mandy's pots and pans for babies, <laughs> I'm looking for a mom or a marketer within the baby space or the family space. And then I'll approach because a lot of these, um, uh, a lot of the influencers do market products. They'll tag, oh, I'm working with so and so for this product or service. It will cost you some money, but if they have a large enough following, you're putting your product directly in front of a very targeted audience who would most likely be interested in your product. So um, don't sleep on influencer marketing. It can be very, very effective and very cost effective, I think. Um, The next, I think, are Google and Facebook ads. Everyone's all about Facebook, but Google is the behemoth in the room. Um, And Google has a whole ad team that will help you craft and create your ads. And oftentimes they will give you a $100 ad credit, right? So free $100 to advertise your stuff. And they're going to help you craft your ad um, for you to advertise your stuff. So every website that you go to that you see an ad on, it may have come through Google's network. And so there are, you know, so many billions of <laughs> websites across the globe. If you target specifically the websites that you want to to reach, that's a good way to, as well as being on Facebook. Facebook has their own um, ad platform. And so it will put ads on Facebook and on other websites as well. So you can, you know, get an a Facebook ad going for not much money at all, um, the only thing with Facebook, I think, is that there is a learning curve, and you can throw good money after bad if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, so, I definitely would look at Facebook's. They have a bunch of videos directly on Facebook themselves on how to craft an ad on Facebook. Um, and then the last thing is uh, encouraging. If you've got close friends and family, um, people who legitimately would like your product or service, I give stuff away for free. And then I'd be like, tell them, tell them where you got it. Um, and oh, yes, uh, before I forget, don't be afraid of putting your product on the larger marketplaces. Amazon is one of the biggest sites on the planet for a reason. People go there to shop. So even though it's a drop shipping product, maybe I'll have one or two on hand, but people are gonna see my product. And so maybe I make a smaller margin, but it's on a marketplace, whether it's eBay, Amazon, whatever the other marketplaces are, Um, it's putting my product in other people's eyes. And also those platforms, they also have their own ad programs as well. So you can advertise on their platforms your product to reach other people. So this is the case where sometimes you have to spend money to make money. And I think we get hung up on that a little bit, but uh, I think it's a good reason to spend the money. And also it's a write off for your business. I love Sandy, it.
0: Sandy, you are a guru. I have a million more questions. We are gotta have you on again. <laughs> Yes, but we do. Just to clarify the Amazon point. So that's like a way of legitimizing your business. It's not necessarily the best place to like, you know, bring in cash flow because of the the volume of people selling on there, but you see it as a way to like, oh, Sandy Smith Incorporated is selling products there. And if someone's looking for something, they might see that and then want to know what else you have in your yeah. you know. Amazon out there. products come up on a Google search,
2: you know? Yeah, <laughs> and know. I imagine so, like
0: how you name your product probably matters because other oh, people are searching for it, the title of it, right?
2: Mm-hmm. The title Matters a lot. The title matters a lot. And then we can get into Amazon a little bit because Amazon has a whole different program um, that's perfect for Christmas, uh, where people, that's where people tend to make the most money. But yeah, even if you just have your product on Amazon, you have a limited you know number, people, when they Google, because Amazon pays for ads, even though you don't pay for ads sometimes. And so your product may rank high on a Google search just for being on Amazon, that's another strategy. And hmm. so, you know, people can find it. And what people will often do is they will look for the site for that product. So if you, you're you able to put your own brand name, now this is going deep, you can put your own brand name on Amazon. And so people will click to look at the, you know, the products that your brand has, or they'll Google your brand name or your company name that you're put on that slot. And then they can come over to your site and find your product.
1: Mm. thank you sneaky legion <laughs> right smarty
0: smarty well there's so yeah. much there's a there's there's a ton of information to cover we don't have a ton a ton of time but sandy tell folks where they can get some resources and learn more uh from you about creating side hustle income and doing it at, like it should be like a real business
2: yeah, so my main hub is yesamcheap.com and there'll be more stuff coming out on side hustles. You want to check out the article Top Side Hustles to Boost Your Income During Quarantine and After, where I go through a lot and there's also an hour-long video there as well. So I really cover a lot of side hustles there. And then if you're really into it and you want to be around a group of other people who are side hustling, because sometimes it feels good to bounce your ideas off of other people who are kind of in the same headspace, um, hustlecrew.com. It will take you to my side hustle group, and there are like 19,000 people in there. So there's bound to be somebody who has either tried what you're doing or, you know, before you spend your money, <laughs> because we've saved a lot of people from scams just to even come do some market research or figure out is this legit or not legit. That's amazing. Hustle Crew
0: is the hustlecrew.com. The, hustle, Facebook crew? the mm-hmm. hustle crew. All it's right, awesome. awesome. Check the show notes. Y'all will have links to all of that. Sandy, thank you so much. I'm yeah, so glad to you. Thank you, all. Sandy.